Well, good morning, everybody. This morning, we are continuing in our series that we started last week called Timeless. And the big idea in this series that we're looking at together is how in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. And you and I live in a trendy world, so we know this, right? We know that trends come and go. Trends are in style for a season, and then trends go out of style for a season. And like I said last week, uh, I'm not that trendy of a person, right? Look at me. My shirt matches the Operation Christmas Child boxes this morning. It's not, you know, I'm not that trendy of a person. And so I thought, you know what, if I'm going to get up on some trends and, and kind of know it's trendy, I need to talk to some people who know what they're talking about. And so we have a creative design team at this church, and they kind of create things like this, Timeless, to help reinforce our series. They're creative, they're cool, they're cutting edge. And so I asked them to send me some photos of trendy things, and so they actually sent me some photos of themselves. And so the first photo I have is Teresa. She's actually on the worship team. Y'all remember perms? Y'all remember perms, right? Who here had a perm? Okay, how many guys had a perm? Yes, no shame. No, wow, so many of you that had perms don't even have hair anymore. Maybe there's a correlation there. That is natural. Okay, well, hey, so that was one. You know, we had the perm trends, and then we had this next season of trends. I don't even know what this tr- these trends were. Nikki, Nikki Martinez. Um, yeah, that was late 80s, I guess. Um, so we had that season, and then we had this other era of trends. We'll just put up here Miss Ronnie Umstead, the acid wash jeans, that background for the school photos, the... The female mullet, you know, that's, that's, you know, those were trendy for a while, right? And, you know, I think fashion trends and hair trends reveal to us most clearly that trends are pretty short-lived, that they come and that they go. And what's funny is to think about how much money we've invested in trends throughout our lifetimes. I mean, think about all the leisure suits, the little velour jumpsuits, slap bracelets, the perms, the, the bleached hair the gel for the spikes, the skinny jeans, the parachute pants, all of it, right? There are so many things that we have spent money on over the years that is just now thrown in a closet, thrown in a dumpster somewhere, and that's just the fashion trends. We're not even talking about the technology trends like we looked at last week and how much money we invest in in these things that just kind of come and then go. But we invest a lot of our money in trends as Americans. I mean, when, when the housing market, when it's trending different ways, we invest money in a house, and hopefully, right, we make money off of it, or we invest it in the market. And sometimes, the reality is, is that these investments pay off. And that, that's cool. That's a good thing. But other times, they don't. And we're not left with much. And so this morning, as we continue in this series, we're going to be talking about how in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless, and particularly how, in a trendy world, the best things that we can invest our money in are timeless as well. And now, I recognize this morning that as we start talking about money and investments, that it makes a lot of us kind of uncomfortable and tight in the chest because we're Americans. And as Americans, a lot of us are Americans here, culturally, many of us are. And we don't like to talk about money out loud. We don't like to talk about these things. But the reason I want to talk about these things this morning is because making the wrong investments can be very costly and destructive, while making wise investments can be transformational. 
And so if you're a guest with us this morning, know that we don't talk about money every week. We, we do it from time to time because Jesus does it in the Gospels and because God talks about money and because money greatly affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this messaging might be challenging. It might be convicting at some level. But just know this morning, I'm talking about money and we as a church are talking about money together, not because I want something from you, but because I want something for you. And now if you do get uncomfortable talking about money or when you check your bank account on your app and you see that low balance and it gives you stress, if that's you, that's okay, you're in good company. People have been feeling that way for thousands of years. And if you and your spouse ever fight about money, nobody here, right? Nobody here. Okay, so y'all are good. But if you do, then just know that you're in good company as well because people have been doing that as couples for thousands of years. Because money causes a lot of anxiety for us because it's close to our hearts. And these discussions about money and investments have been going on so long that Jesus even talks about them a fair amount in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so this morning as we begin together talking about this, I want us to look at one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about two different kinds of investments that we can make as disciples of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19 together. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a free one. They're available at the Welcome Center after the service. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can um, use your phone app or you can grab the insert that's in your bulletin there. And here's what we read in verse 19 as Jesus talks about one type of investment. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Pause right there for a minute. Pretty straightforward advice, right? Here, Jesus is describing the reality of our stuff. The stuff that we have on this earth, stuff that is vulnerable to decay, to rust, to theft, to destruction, to, to house fires, to all of these things. It's stuff that we can't take with us when we die. And Jesus is saying, look, the reality is that stuff is going to be gone. And here he's saying these types of investments, ultimately they won't stand the test of time. And he contrasts them with a different type of investment. And here's what he says in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here, Jesus is describing the reality of heaven, a place where things are timeless, where things are eternal, where things aren't vulnerable to the damage and the destruction of this earth. Matthew likes to use the word heaven and talk about the kingdom of heaven. The other gospel writers, they tend to use kingdom of God as a synonym for heaven. And so here Jesus is saying, look, we can make investments in things that are, are trendy and ultimately will go away one day. Or we can make investments in the timeless work of God's kingdom. And he's telling us that in terms of our priorities, these investments should be our priority. And why does he say this? Well, he gives that to us in verse 21. He says this. For where... Your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, Jesus, he wants something for you. He wants your heart to be with his heart. He wants you to experience the blessings that come with giving to the timeless work of God's kingdom, the blessings of faith, of joy, of humility, of growth, and so many other things. So what does that look like? Well, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, his disciples were Jewish men, and a lot of the crowds he were talking to were Jewish people as well. And so when Jesus was talking to these crowds about money and giving, he would have assumed that they were familiar with the Old Testament pattern of the tithe. And now if you're not familiar with what that is, throughout the Old Testament, we see God calling his people to give him the first 10% of their resources. And so in the agrarian economies, that was giving him the, the first of their grain, of their vegetables, and of their fruits. We, we have this idea in the Old Testament called first fruits, giving to God the first 10%. And when you're a farmer, you are very cognizant that everything you have is a gift from God because you're a dependent upon the land and upon God's provision. And so these farmers and people in the agricultural economy, they're, they're saying, look, God, everything we have is a gift from you. Here is a small portion back, a small portion back out of gratitude, and then it was used for the work of God's kingdom through the temple and through feeding the poor and taking care of the widows and many other things. And so everybody in this teaching would have been familiar with this context and this pattern of the tithe, and actually the tithe continued even in the early church. But in the early church, it took on a, a little different twist because it wasn't something they just did because they were commanded or because that was the right pathway God had provided for them. That is true. But they also began tithing because they understood that the tithe for them was a minimal and a finite response to the extravagant and the infinite love and generosity of God revealed to them in Jesus Christ. They believed as I do, that Jesus gave his entire life for them, 100%. And so for them as a community, giving to God 10% of their finances and their resources for his timeless work was a small act of recognizing God's goodness and that everything we have in life, our family, our health, our finances, our salvation, everything is a gift from God. And I believe that as well. I believe that as well, and that's why Emily and I, we tithe our money here to Harvest Point, 10% every month. And I also believe that this isn't just good wisdom that we should do just to obey God. I also believe that as we obey God, as we live into this, that this is actually the greatest investment that we can make because it has great returns. And now I know... Y'all are all just looking at me like, that's just straight preacher talk right now. So I'm going to let God speak for himself here. Because when preachers start talking about money, a lot of people, you know, we, we get funny. And I do too. So I'm going to let God speak in the book of Malachi. So if you have your Bible, this is um, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi coming right before Matthew. So you can just flip a few pages over. And in Malachi, God has a conversation with his people, the Israelites. And he has what we could call, for lack of a better term, come to Jesus meeting with them. 
because they've been breaking the covenant, they've been kind of apathetic, they're kind of being lazy and turning away from him. And so they have this conversation together, and God speaks to them through the prophet of Malachi in chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. And here is what God says. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And here he's, he's quoting the people. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God's saying to them. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, that's a pretty tense conversation we just stepped into right here. I never want to be accused by God of robbing him. And God is telling the Israelite people here in this situation that they are robbing him because they're not giving him their tithes, the first 10%, and their offerings, gifts above that. But then in verse 10, things kind of shift a little bit. And God tells them what they should do in response. We see God's graciousness coming through on the other side in verse 10. God says this, look. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. This is pretty astounding. Because if you read throughout the Bible, you see God doesn't say, test me a lot. Actually, from what I can tell, this is the only time he says that to a group of people. But here he says, look, you've been turning from me. Come back to me. Come back to me with your tithes and your offerings. Test me in this because God knows that it takes a lot of faith and that it's very difficult. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much Blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I've talked to people who do investments in banking. And they'll say to you, hey, trust me with your money. Trust me. Look, I can probably get you 5 to 10% based on the market and historical trends. They don't typically promise or guarantee a return. And then, you know, we have real estate agents. Real estate agents... That's tough work. And they'll a lot of times say, look, I promise you I can sell your house. But I can't always promise you that I'm going to get more than the asking price that you want. A lot of times we kind of hedge when it comes to things like that. But here, God isn't hedging. Here, God is saying, test me in this. Step out in faith. Because it's as you step out in faith that I will grow your faith and I will pour out blessings upon you. I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And now as we're talking about blessings and the floodgates of heaven, I need to add a caveat here because the reality is, is a lot of preachers and a lot of churches have abused passages like these. And they've said, look, if, if, you, if you sow this 10%, God is going to give you more money than you know what to do with. God is going to give you health. God's going to give you wealth. God's going to give you happiness and a perfect life. 
And I don't think that's the kind of blessings that God's exactly talking about here and throughout the Bible. We do see God promising us blessings, but they don't always look like that. When you look at the New Testament, one of the most blessed people was Mary. Mary was blessed and highly favored by God, and yet she watched her son die on the cross. We see the disciples, they were very blessed, they were favored, and yet they went through a lot of trials and tribulations. So here, God's not promising us blessings of ease or blessings of some kind of glamorous celebrity life. No, God is talking about a different kind of blessing. God is talking about blessing us with faith as we step out in faith and trust him with all we have and lean not on our own understanding and our own finances. God is talking about blessing us with humility as we come before him and we say, God, we acknowledge everything we have is a gift from you. God is talking about blessing us with self-control as we figure out some priorities and become more disciplined and intentional in our giving. God is talking about blessing us with joy. Joy as we are able to invest in the timeless work of God's kingdom. God's talking about blessing us with those kind of things. And I believe those blessings are real because I've seen it happen through countless people in this church. I've experienced them in my own life. But I know that a lot of people never experience those blessings. Because the reality is, is when we hear 10%, when we hear about tithes and offerings, it's like, I'm not even giving anything to retirement right now. I'm barely making it month to month right now. I, I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. I mean, a lot of times that's what goes through our mind. And so then we have this thought that, you know what, if I, if I just had a little more money, then I'd start investing more in God's timeless work. But actually, a, a fellow pastor, Jeff Henderson, he pointed out something interesting that I, ha I didn't know before. He pointed out that actually when you look at giving and different income levels, that it doesn't actually work like that in reality. And so I found some data from 2014 from a survey that looked at, at giving and charitable giving for different income brackets. And it's interesting because it's actually reverse of what you'd think. People who make between 25 and $50,000 a year, in 2014, we're giving on average 6.8% of their income away to charities and some to the work of God. People who made between 50 and 75,000 gave away 4.8%. 75 to 100, 3.8%. 100 to 200, 3%. 200 to 500, 2.6%. It's kind of counterintuitive, right? And we think, how can that happen? How, how does that work that the more money we have, actually the less we give away? And maybe this illustration will help, help illustrate it a little bit for you. So here, I have two wonderful homemade pies. These are courtesy of Bill. Bill, who's in our tech booth every week, these are courtesy of his mother. So she made these pies for me, and these pies, they are a beautiful gift. They're a gift. I did nothing to earn or deserve any of this. It is a pure gift to me, and that's how all of our finances are. They're all a gift from God. And so I want us to think about one of these pies as our monthly income, 
And I know people have different kinds of monthly income. It comes in at different times. But let's just say this represents the total. Most people do their finances like this. We say, okay, it's the beginning of the month, and I have my mortgage, which is due now. Is the mortgage, is that a small piece of your pie or a big piece? Big, okay. All right, let me make that a little bit bigger. So that's a big piece of the pie. This thing is beautiful. Wow. So actually, it's, it's a double, it's, it's two piece right here, right? That, that's, a big, that's a big chunk of the pie. So we have our mortgage, and then we have taxes, right? Is that big or small? <laughs> okay, yeah. That, I was like, I, that was a dangerous question, opening up that door. Okay, so that's, that's a pretty big slice here. We got all sorts of, some of you got FICA, you got Social Security, you got payroll, you got all the state, all this stuff. So you got that, and then... Now, this is a nice thing for me because this isn't a piece of my pie, but a lot of you have kids, right? Is that, how big is kids? Huge? Okay. Okay, you got the field trips. You have all of the world's finest chocolate that you have to buy, right? It's like the schools do, you got you to support all that. So that's a pretty big piece. You got the, is it bigger than that? Yeah, it's bigger than that. Okay, so let me, let me, let me do here. It's bigger than that. Go to the next pie, I know. But you know what's nice is when your kids leave, you know, you get that piece back, but then they move back in, and then, yeah, it's just comp- yeah, it's complicated. So we have, we have Christmas coming up. And, you know, that's, you know that's, that's a big thing. You always got to buy gifts for every single person. And then you have emergencies. You have the emergencies come up and insurance. All of this stuff. Do what? Util- that's right, Utilities. Netflix and Hulu, power, air, all this, you know, all of our utilities we got to pay. We, we got that. Car payment, got our car payment, got, got a car payment, insurance, all this, you know, some of these get, you know, you just got to keep chopping it up a little bit. So we have all of these things, trendy clothes, anybody here, trendy clothes, yeah? Nobody can admit to that, that's funny. Um, so we have all of that stuff, and then what happens is, we get to the end of the month, and we, we have a little bit left, and then this is what we give to God. We give God our leftovers. We give God, a lot of times, kind of the crumbs after we've, we've done all of these other things. But I think there's a better way. I think God wants a, a different way for us. Before I talk about that, I'll give out some pie. Who here wants some pie? Anybody want? You just come up. Come up and grab it. Come up and grab it. I'm Domino's. I'm not Domino's. I don't deliver. Um, here you go. Wow. Here, here. you want to deliver these for me? You, you, can, you can deliver them out. Y'all got it. Y'all come up here and get some. Okay. Who here is on a diet? Who here is on a diet? You can get a little piece. Okay. So we have these ways that we typically spend our money and that's one way of doing things and it's actually the common and it's the easiest way to do things it's reactive it's how most of us do it but God wants a different way for us and so what God wants us to do is he wants us to give him the first 10 percent (laughs) 
I thought that was about the point in the sermon. You're talking about the pie you're eating right now. Wow. God wants us to give him the first 10%. And here's the thing. Is that especially if you don't even believe in God, this is absurd right here. And this is really countercultural, and I get that. And giving God the first 10%, when we have all of these other expenses, obligations, debts, it is a, it's really a crazy thing. It is an act of faith. Trusting not in our own understanding, not in our own wisdom, not in our own finances and our ability to manage them, but instead trusting in God and putting Him first. But here's what I heard somebody say once, that 90% of our money with God's blessing is a lot greater in God's kingdom than 100% of our money without His blessing. God promises that he will bless us, that he will transform us, he will grow us as we step out in faith. And look, things are going to get tied in the pie. There's going to have to be some sacrifices and things cut out. But as you do this, as you experience this, you'll realize those things are worth it. Because God is worth it. And nothing gets our attention like giving God our money. Now, if you were with us last week, I also want to say this, that last week we talked about God's love and how God loves us unconditionally. And I want to remind you that today that is still true, that God's love for you isn't dependent on how much you give to him. He doesn't love you more when you give more. And he doesn't love you less when you give less. God's love for us is an unconditional It is grace. And so I don't want you to walk away and to hear anything like that this morning. But God says, test me in this. Test me in this and see if I won't pour out my blessings upon you. You see, when we're keeping everything for ourselves, we're robbing God of that opportunity to transform us. And I think really the key to starting this all is intentionality. Investing in the timeless work of God isn't going to happen by accident. So I want to read these words from Paul in 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Spontaneous and and one-off giving to different projects that has its place, and that's wonderful. But here Paul is encouraging us that if we're going to be generous people, if we're going to invest in these timeless things, then then we've got to decide ahead of time. We've got to make it a priority. And look, he says, don't give out of compulsion or out of guilt or some kind of shame. And I, I don't want that for you. He's saying give from a cheerful heart. 
recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God, that Jesus gave it all for us, and we're simply offering back God a small portion of what he has given to us in response to his great love. He's saying, look, do that. Do it cheerfully. Do it intentionally. And one of the best ways I know how to make that intentional in my own life, and and I've seen this in other people's lives as well, is to decide ahead of time what you're going to give and to automate your giving. Because automation trumps determination. And so Emily and I, we've decided we're going to give a tithe. We're going to give the first 10% of our income. And so we have it set up online. And so every month, through the Harvest Point website, it simply takes it from our bank account and sends it to the timeless work of God. And now that might not feel spiritual for you. It might, not, it might feel kind of weird. But for us, it removes a barrier and it removes our own excuses because we're saying, look, this is so important. We don't want to get to the end of the month and just see what's left. We want to be intentional so at the beginning of the month, this is going automatically out. So you will rarely see me put anything in the offering plate, and that's why. And this takes about five minutes. You go to harvestpointumc.com, click Give Now, set it up. There's a number in your bulletin. You can text it. You can set it up on your phone in five minutes. If you don't trust the church, you can call your bank. You probably shouldn't give your money to the church if you don't trust the church. Um, But you can call your bank. They can send it. You can check. I want to learn more about online giving. We can help you out. But for me and for many people, that has become a great tool to help automate what's important, to make it a priority, to be intentional. So that's one step you can take towards investing in timeless things. Another step is to to get some financial help and some education and to begin making an intentional plan for your money. And from time to time here as a church, we offer Financial Peace University, and even though we're not offering it right now, other churches in the community are. And that's Dave Ramsey's nine-week course, which will help you make a plan and learn to manage money God's way. And that's a great thing because I, I know there's a lot of struggles We in this room, we are carrying a lot of debt. And courses like that can really help ease the burden and make a plan and pay off these things and be able to trust God even more. So Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace is one. There's an online course by Crown Financial Ministries. They have it so you can do it online with your your own family, on your own schedule, on your own time. It's a great thing. But to take a step in that direction, to begin planning, thinking and having these hard conversations. And then finally, another step I know you can take is one that might not seem like much, but it's a big one, and that's to simply go home after this message today, gather with the other people in your household who make financial decisions, and and go before God and say to God, God, this This is hard. Thinking and talking about money isn't easy. This is a hard teaching from you and from Jesus. But God, you say test me in this and I want to test you. I want to receive these blessings. So God, give me the faith I need to begin investing in this timeless things. Help me. To not just invest with my time, with my my talents, with my energy, but also with my finances. Go home and just just pray that prayer before God. And see what God says to your heart. And that's, at some level, similar to a prayer that one of our own members prayed a number of years back. 
And so I want to invite Fred Brennan up now to share with us a little bit about his journey towards investing in the timeless work of God. Um, his journey of growing up in the church and learning about these things and all sorts of other stuff. So Fred, why don't you share with us? There we go. Hey, Harvest Point. Well, I grew up in a church-going family, um, but back in those days, 60s and 70s, uh, parents didn't talk much about their family finances with their children. I knew they gave to the church, but I didn't really know how much. Don't know if they tithed or anything. Uh, in, early, in my early teens, I gave my life to Christ, uh, but then as I went off to college and got in my adult years, I kind of fell away from that for a while. Um, and then about 1993 or so, we had three young children, and uh, Sandy and I both decided that uh, we want to get involved in church and, and have our children exposed to, to the word. And uh, so we started giving, but a couple months before that uh, started, we, um, we had a, I had a 15% pay cut at my job because the economy was faltering at the time. And that was scheduled to last for three years. That's a big chunk. Um, it was already a struggle before that, but now we were running out of money before we ran out a month. And uh, so we were um, giving a little bit to the church. We couldn't afford it due to our financial situation. We couldn't afford to tithe. I just gave what I thought we could afford. And then um, a couple years later, I rededicated my life to Christ and started listening more to the teachings. And I'd heard a few people here and there talk about tithing, especially around this time of year when we were doing our consecration Sunday to give our pledge for the following year. Um, but again, I just didn't feel like our financial situation allowed us to, to give any more. I had a plan. I had a plan. I'd give a little bit more every year, and eventually I'll be tithing. But that's not the way God worked. That was my plan, not his plan. So, uh, so I continued to give the little bits that I was giving. And then 9-11 uh, hit, took another pay cut. This whole time I could feel the Holy Spirit kind of talking to me, you know, planting that little seed in my brain, in my soul. And then 9-11 hit, and between the downturn in the economy from that and the fact I worked for an airline and people were afraid to fly airplanes, um, we took another pay cut. Mm -hmm. Not as big as the previous one, but it still hurt. So, um, so apparently my plan wasn't working very well. And I could really feel the Holy Spirit talking to me at that point, really urging me to, you know, Think about what I'm telling you. And so finally, I just said, you know, I give it up. Lord, I, I, I'm going to give you my finances. And uh, I just, I just, I'm just going to trust in you to provide all our needs. And that's, that's the way it was. So, so Sandy and I decided to start tithing that next paycheck, which could be a little anxious moments going on with that but actually quite honestly I was very excited when I put that first check in there that was a tithe to, to God and um, I felt a tremendous sense of freedom and a big weight had been lifted off my shoulders but deceivers out there and he doesn't want this going on and uh, so about two months later we got a test and I don't know if I should have expected this or not but we got a test because our van which we had had paid off for several years died and now we had to take on a new car and a new car payment that goes along with that. But, in you know, the receiver says, well, God will understand if you don't continue to tithe. Uh, 
he'll understand because you've got this extra car payment. But I had been, this had been years in the making for me, this decision, and I was not about to give off on it in, in, in two months. So we continued to, to tithe, trusting that God would meet our needs. And guess what? He did. Mm. Month, week after week, month after month, he continued to meet our needs. We made our tithe. We made that stupid car payment. <laughs> we had two kids that were starting college and uh, have college expenses. And then along the way, uh, we were blessed with uh, adopting two children. Mm-hmm. And that, when, we, when he talks about holding, open, opening the floodgates and having blessings flow out, it's not just talking about money. Okay, I got these two kids right here. That have been great blessings in my life. Mm-hmm. And still are. So that decision had been made, and I wasn't going to go back on it. And uh, so our needs were met, and uh, faith has only strengthened. It's only strengthened my faith through all that. I haven't given up on that. It's been about 15 years now since we had made that decision. And uh, merger with Delta Airlines brought me down to Georgia eight years ago, and we found Harvest Point, which again another blessing. Uh, coming out of the floodgates, and, and we've made many new f- friends and sis- brothers and sisters in Christ uh, through all that. And, um, and also then along the way, as uh, Jonathan mentioned, Financial Peace University uh, taught me how to deal with the other 90%. Mm. So, uh, and that's been a, a tremendous, that's a life changer too. Mm. So, you know, the, the tithing was a life changer. Financial Peace University was a life changer as well. So I would encourage any of you who have never gone through that to, to seek that out mm-hmm. next time we offer it, or if you can find a, another place close by. Thank That's you. All I have. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate it. Thank you. When I was talking with Fred at his house ahead of time about his story, because Fred actually told me a long time ago, he said, hey, if you ever need a testimony on on giving, let me know. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll probably need that one day. Um, so months later, I'm like, Fred. Um, you know, he said something else interesting. He didn't share in his testimony. He said that when a number of years ago, this church was raising money to build this building, which was called the Homeward Bound Campaign, that he and his family actually went above their tithe and, and did an additional offering for this space. And I know that most of you in here, I think, weren't around when people were making those investments, when people were were giving to the Homeward Bound campaign. Most of us weren't here. I wasn't here. Many of you weren't here, but I'm grateful for those of you who were here, who were making those investments so that we could have this place to come and to gather for worship each week, so that we could have this home base for mission where we come, where we're filled up, and then we're sent out into this community like we're doing with these boxes, like we did at Hampton High School this week, like we're doing with Return to Bethlehem as we bless other people. I was so grateful when I heard that. I just happened to stop and think, yeah, this building isn't paid off for yet. Don't get that illusion. But so many people sacrificed for the timeless work of God that's happening in this place. And I'm grateful. And I know that one day, This building will rust. It will probably become damaged. One day it might not be here anymore. 
But I also know that before that day comes, God is doing and wants to do powerful things in this church and through this church. He's doing eternal work here, timeless work here. And so I just look forward to the countless baptisms that are going to happen right there as people's lives are transformed by the grace of God. I think about people on a cold day like this. It's kind of dreary. People feeling lonely and just stepping in and experiencing the warmth of God's love. I think about people kneeling here at this altar, students, children, adults giving their lives to Christ. And I just think it's all worth it. All that stuff is better than anything that I could buy myself. They're timeless investments. And know that as we give to God's timeless work in this world, God blesses us, that's true. But God also uses it to bless others and to transform others. And that's what we're about here at Harvest Point, transforming the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue that work, let's pray this morning. Almighty God, we thank you for your great love and for sending your son, Jesus Christ, for us. God, in the season of thanksgiving, we come before you with hearts of thanksgiving. Thanking you for every good and perfect gift that has come from you in our lives. And God, we humbly acknowledge that we didn't make it on our own. We didn't create it on our own. That it's because of you. So God, we thank you and we pray that that would fill our hearts. And God, that as we give to you, that we would give not out of compulsion, out of guilt, out of fear, or anything like that, God, but that we would give out of joy, out of love, out of hope for what you're going to do in the future through these gifts. God, this morning as we give to you, as we gather together, we say we trust you. We love you. But we acknowledge that we're still often hesitant in our faith. And so we pray that you would help grow our faith this morning as we step out in faith this day and every day. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers are going to come around. And as I mentioned earlier, there's the Connect card if you want to register for the upcoming events. Learn more about online giving. You can check those boxes. Thank you. Worthy of every breath we could ever 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
come forward. Um, we're going to pray over these boxes as they're sent out around the world to many different countries. Um, so if some of you will lay hands on the boxes and if you'll just touch the shoulder of somebody touching the boxes, we'll just kind of make a human chain. Or we can even pass some around as well. I mean, I just want us to come forward and to pray over these this morning and ask God to bless them as we send them out in partnership with Samaritan's Purse around the world. gather together so if you don't have a box just touch touch someone's shoulder who who does have one let's add God's blessing upon these Heavenly Father we thank you for the gifts contained in these boxes God we thank you for the investments that the people in this church in this community are making in children's lives around the world God children who are in great need God, we know that, that with these boxes, it's not just the toys and the toothbrush and the provisions, but all those things are great, God, and we celebrate and we give you joy for the gifts contained inside. But God, we also thank you for the timeless work that's occurring alongside of these boxes. Our kids are told that these are tangible reflections of your extravagant love for them. God, we thank you for the teaching the kids are going to receive, for the soap 
for the ways this is going to bless and transform their everyday life and possibly their eternity. So God, we pray that you would send these out. Send these out, send them around the world, and God, that you would give great joy as people open them up this Christmas season. God, we thank you for the faithfulness of people in this church and people all over. And pray that you'd help us continue to be a part of your work in the world. God, we thank you, especially this morning, for Gretchen Konis, who's helped organize this, for Saffron Paris. God, for all of the other volunteers who brought in boxes and who organized them here. We're grateful. We're grateful for you. God, send us out to be a blessing to other people this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great morning. And if you, if you notice that Coop is here this morning. Good to see you, buddy.